step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Four-time Best Sports Blog winner. With Justin Bradford. Three-time winner for Best Sports Reporter and Commissioner of the SECHC. And Glenn Blackwell. It's time to talk all things hockey in the music city. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 1025 The Game. Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here at ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And a lot has happened since we were last on air. There's been two games that people probably don't want to talk about. And two games are probably like, huh, well, good they got the two points in those games. <laughs> Glenn, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Justin. Um, yeah, I agree. There's some, you know, that we kind of just want to leave on the back burner don't really want to talk about those but under the rug. you only go forward you can only go forward from here so <laughs> i mean looking at the one dallas game was like well it can't get any worse <laughs> exactly we can only go up from here we so. only go up so it's, it's been a unique trip so far this season for the natural predators and what started out pretty darn strong when you think about it and looking very competitive against carolina there was that one empty net goal and then columbus then dallas what a drubbing. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. Uh, the 7 nothing loss and then the 3-2 the, the loss where they looked overall better but still couldn't stay out of the box enough. And then Chicago and getting an overtime win and a shootout win, which when we look at this, points are points, and then you move on from there, and hopefully you learn some of those things from there, and then you go on. And looking at Chicago, they need to win out of the eight games. They need to win, I say, at least six of those games and maybe one regulation loss and one overtime or shootout loss. They have to win at least six. There are two, two games there so far. Yeah. So and look I at mean, that way. yeah. And you, when you look at it, no, nobody ever wants to go into overtime in the shootout because you're giving up that point. But at the same time, at the end of the day, I mean, it really does. It only matters if you collect those two points from each game and that's what they did. So, I mean, we have seen in seasons past, where you're you're in that situation you push them into overtime and you don't get the points so it's like at least we're seeing them clawing their way out of those situations with that win and so i think especially coming after those dallas games you want to see that they're going to have their backs pushed against the wall and they're going to be able to get themselves out of it and they did so i think that's very promising um but yeah you never want to be like well a win's a win but it actually is. Um, and so, and we also saw signs of improvement throughout those games against Chicago. So we did. And Pecorine got his first win since February 16th. Mm-hmm. Since, I mean, Gosh. Saros became the starter around because yeah. when John Hines took over, Saros really did truly really become the starter. And so Rene only saw two games after that. And mm-hmm. one was an overtime loss, I believe. And one was a regulation loss. It was big for him to to get that to get that off of his back, and he even you can hear the relief in his voice when he was talking to the media after that game on on Tuesday. So it's it is interesting we look at this because they were putting up plenty of shots on net, and a lot of times when we see that and they put up 38, 40 something shots, typically we're seeing a lot of perimeter shots. A lot of these weren't. They were getting mm-hmm. a lot of shots on Chicago's goalies, uh, Lankinen and Subban, that were high dangerous shots and good opportunities to actually score. Had a couple go off posts, things like that, but the goaltenders made some amazing saves. 
mm-hmm. but it's it, there's definitely some snake biddenness <laughs> going on with the predators uh, luckily matt duchene got that penalty not the penalty shot the overtime shootout goal mm-hmm. which got him a little bit off his own personal schneid because he's been working and if there's anyone out there that is saying matt duchene's not working right now if i don't know what game they're watching because matt duchene is playing with a tremendous amount of energy. He is flying yeah. and buzzing on the ice. He's generating offensive opportunities. Things just haven't fallen for him yet. And that's where you hope with a guy like him that things will fall into place because his speed, the way he's back checking, the way he's being involved in plays has been phenomenal. Take away that really bad pass that turned into the turnover and the Jan Mark goal, that, all that aside, he's been playing fantastic so far this season. And that's where you hope things just start falling into place for him. Yeah, and something to note, I noticed that Adam Vingen, he mentioned this in his article um, on The Athletic, that Matt Duchesne was topping the charts of the most sco- most scoring chances without a goal. And you don't want to be number one on that chart, but at the same time, he's playing his game. He's playing it hard, and he is trying. So I know it's not Murphy's Law. There is a law that says that eventually this will turn out. <laughs> eventually this will start to pay off, right? But... Yeah, like I said, you don't want to be the player that has the most scoring chances without scoring a goal, but he finally did get that goal. Um, but he's trying, and I think he's doing those things that all of us have talked about that you want to see because those all the little things add up to him being able to to get those those offensive chances, to be able to get those goals in the net. It's just it's a matter of time. And it's a matter of consistency and keeping up that game until it actually starts to pay off for him. So I like what I'm seeing, um, but he definitely has had a monkey on his back. And I think he can, we can safely say the monkey is starting to be removed. (laughs) Just remember, I am number one, two is not a winner and three, nobody remembers as Nelly would say. That's Oh, that was so deep. <laughs> so we're seeing a, a good bit of this throughout this team so far that obviously there's frustrations. But Matt Duchesne in his post game last night, very confident and talking about how so many players are doing hard work. Ryan Ellis even talking about how so many players are doing hard work. I feel the confidence starting to ooze from them. And that's important in terms of they're not doubting each other. They're not personally frustrated. They know that if they continue to do the right things, that things will turn out. John Hines, I asked about structure because Jared Tenorti comes in his first game action of the season. And he steps in and he's playing special teams. And Mm -hmm. I know we've kind of, we've dogged on Jared Tenorti a little bit because there's other more mobile defensemen out there, but he came into the lineup for Mark Borowiecki and he fit right in and wasn't a liability last night. That's what's important. He was not a liability, and then he contributed on special teams. That shows the structure that they're trying to build there that they know going in in this type of season, guys are going to have to be able to step right in and go. And it can't be the kind of thing where it takes a game or two to really get going. But as long as everyone knows the structure, whether you're a forward, you're a defenseman, you're a goaltender, you know what's expected out of you, that you can come in even if you missed four, five, ten games and be able to contribute, that's what's going to be important. I know John Hines has really stressed that a lot too. And that's what we're going to see. And the way that I see it with this season is the teams that are able to adjust, that have an established structure, that have evolved and been able to do that with the guys in the taxi squad and their prospects, they're the ones that are going to be more successful this season overall that are battling for spots. You're going to have your teams that are just chock full of talent, period. Mm-hmm. But the teams that are on the, the edge, like the Predators, that are vying for that 3-4 spot that could finish 5 or 6 in this division, the ones that 
handle their rosters better when it comes to establishing structure can be more successful because when injuries happen, which they will, when COVID hits and quarantine hits, which it has already and will in the future, the teams that have players, no matter their age or their experience, they can come right in and fit in anywhere in the lineup where they need to go. They're the ones that are going to be successful this season. And John Hines, I like what he's establishing so far, and I know he gets the brunt of heat so much right now with any little loss or any little decision, whether it's Pekka or or Yusa starting a net, he's getting the brunt mm-hmm. of it. But I like so far what he's trying to establish now. Is it really starts to fall on the players and what they're gonna what they're gonna soak up and what they're gonna do. And so far, the way they're responding to questions, yeah, you get your cliche moments. But in so mm-hmm. far, the way they're responding to questions, I'm liking what I'm hearing from them because they like a little bit of fresh air coming in. Yeah. And I I hear the confidence and I also, I see it. I mean, we saw special teams struggled in Dallas. We saw an improvement against Chicago on that. I think that for me, they kind of looked like they lost their bearings on the PK in Dallas and in in Chicago. I think we saw a little bit less of that. So we're seeing more offensive attack. We're seeing more time in the offensive zone. So I think that that all goes back to that structure um, because we're seeing, we're seeing improvements game by game. So I think, you know, we've talked about the structure ever since he first started talking about it as soon as we got back on air. And, and it's, I think that it's working. Like you said, you're able to see a Jared Tenorti slide in and not look like a lost sheep out there. And, and if you don't have an identity and you don't have that structure, oftentimes that can happen to a player that's slotted in that hasn't been in the lineup. So I, I really do like what I'm seeing. I think it's promising. I'm not going to sit here and say, oh my gosh, everything's great. Right, you know, right. <laughs> but what we're seeing now, I think you love to see it, you know, <laughs> improvement. You love and to a, see it. And a tremendous test coming up against Tampa who hasn't played as many games as Nashville. I mean, Nashville has already had a postponement as well. Tampa's had postponements happen because they were supposed to start off against Dallas. So it'll be interesting in Tampa still missing, obviously a couple weapons, Kutra being the big one, but they have plenty. They have lots of depth and we'll discuss that in the next segment uh, with Eduardo and Cena of the Tampa Bay times, but that's going to be another big test. And John Hines has even asked uh, last night about what was, was the road trip. And he started talking about the details of it too, that, Maybe it was the first road trip just threw them off because NHL players, and I know people are going to roll their eyes at it. It's like, oh, they're paid millions of dollars. They're still people too. They're people, people. <laughs> they're stuck in their hotel rooms on, on road trips. Mm-hmm. They're stuck there. They can't go out to eat. They can't even go and go get, as John Hines said, they can't go to Starbucks, stand in line, and get a cup of coffee. They have to mm-hmm. order it and they have to get it delivered to them. So they have to adapt as well. This is all about who's adapting better. Just like you said, with structure. And who's going to be the better team adapting with their structure to have guys slot right in, especially on the road when you can't go home and you're stuck in a hotel room. It's adapting there. What are you doing to bide your time beforehand? They could, they'd be able to go out. They could hang out with people. They could probably see old friends or hang out with guys from the opposing team or coaches, whatnot. They'd be, they'd have a little bit of freedom right now. They don't as part of the protocols. So that is something they have to adapt to as well. So I'm sure some player, a lot of players probably like the quick back-to-back where it's home-home instead of having a day off in between because it's not that they can go do anything on the day off and mm-hmm. anywhere near as much as they Very could true. before. But now it's just, okay, let's get these two games over and fly home or fly to the next destination just to do something. So it will be interesting to see the adaptation levels of a lot of these teams and players as the season progresses because we're still really early on and we've seen potential for the Predators to be competitive. That's what you want to see is at least they're competitive. I'm not putting them on a pedestal. I'm not saying they're awful. They are right now, right where I thought they would be, which is mm-hmm. right in the middle. You'll say, well, look at the standings. They're number one. Well, uh, let's look at points percentage. Well, look around. <laughs> look at the games in hand. A lot of teams have as yeah. well. 
they are performing overall. If you look at all the games they played and take the average of it, they're where they thought or I thought they would be. Can they obviously be better in special teams? Yeah, they can be a lot better in special teams. But overall, in terms of wins, losses, and overall performance, they're playing a little bit above average uh, overall. And that's okay because that can get you into the playoffs. Just got to be a little bit better. Okay, up next – Let's talk with Eduardo Encina. He's over the Tampa Bay Times. We'll talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and what it's been like so far this season for them, what the offseason was like, and going down to Titletown, USA, Tampa Bay. That's up next here on Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Looking forward to having our next, next guest on as we go down to Titletown, which is Tampa, Tampa Bay. We have Eduardo Encina, the Tampa Bay Times, joining us. Eduardo, thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. So obviously it's probably a unique experience down there in Tampa Bay right now. I mean, they're coming off a Stanley Cup victory. Sports teams are doing very well down there with what the Buccaneers are going through. Just what's the overall feeling in this city knowing that they have champions and winners? Yeah, it's, it's been uh, it's been an interesting year because obviously in the year of the pandemic, you know, it's um, there's always been kind of this thing in Tampa Bay that you really can't have nice things uh, with your sports teams. So it's pretty fitting that like the year that, you know, the lightning win the Stanley cup, it happens in a bubble in another country. It's uh, that the, uh, when the, when the rays are in the world series, it's in Arlington, Texas, you know? And so the thing that's a little bit different about, about the super bowl is obviously the bucks, you know, winning and being able to play in their own home stadium, which has never happened before. So um, obviously with, you know, limited uh, capacity seating and, you know, the average fan obviously can't necessarily get into uh, the Super Bowl in, in any means with all the ticket prices and, and stuff like that. But um, I, I think this one's really, uh, really interesting for them because the Bucks have been – I used to cover the Bucks; They've been bad for so long. And obviously the Brady factor is a really big part of it. And, uh, you know, they've kind of grown as a team around him. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they're starting to call it title town definitely. And I think if uh, – if they can beat the Chiefs, the, the, you'll hear a lot more of that. But it's definitely an interesting time in Tampa Bay. The fans are uh, really excited. You can't really gauge that because, obviously, because of the pandemic. But um, you, you can you can definitely tell that, uh, that that everyone's really excited right here. Eduardo, um, the Lightning so far have only played four games due to the COVID woes of the Central Division. Um, and that can feel like at times that a team could fall out of sync with the little bit of gameplay that they've had. But on the flip side, there's more time to, you know, dedicate to practice that teams might not get um, otherwise. So what are your overall thoughts on how the Lightning have utilized this unique time and how, how is that going to benefit them um, throughout the shortened season? Right. So I think, you know, obviously th- this wasn't what they planned out, you know, four games and then the first 15 days um, going into tonight. But uh, I think that there, there's a couple ways to kind of look at it. One is. Uh, when you look at the games they've played, and it has have, obviously haven't been many, they played real, three really good games and one kind of clunker, which was their last game in Columbus, uh, a loss, so uh, five to two loss over there. So they kind of had to, they had a whole week almost, or you know, I guess five days really to kind of sit on that and, and address some things in practice. And I think the way this team's looking at it is that this is a time to really address that. You, the practices are a lot more important because, you know, one, you're gonna have to make up those games later in the season. Um, you know, the pace of the season is going to be a lot more, um, you know, playing every, every day. So you're not going to have as much practice time. So that practice time is important. I think they've taken advantage of it. Um, Also with this team specifically, you know, they, 
they strived in that kind of playing a lot of hockey in a short amount of span in the bubble when they won the cup. So they know how to do that. They know uh, kind of what it takes to get through a, you know, a grind like that, you know, after going through those two months in the bubble. So I think that they, um, they have that on their side, you know, no matter what, um, if they can stay healthy and, uh, you know, n- not get too, uh, too hit by injury or obviously the virus that I think they think that, uh, you know, once this thing starts to speed up, they can, uh, they, can they can put themselves in a good situation. But obviously, right now, you've heard a lot of guys talk about the rhythm and the rhythm of a season. And that right now, they just haven't had that. So, um, you know, t- tonight, you know, game against at, at Carolina that uh, they – you know, really didn't even know that they were going to be able to play till a couple of years, a couple of days ago. Um, hopefully that kind of starts this kind of, uh, you know, path of, you know, playing every other day and just kind of so they can get into that, that rhythm that they're looking for. And I want to look a little bit deeper into the roster. Um, we now know that Mitchell Stevens is out indefinitely. Matthew Joseph has returned from Syracuse and he's slotted in at that fourth line center. He's primarily used to playing on the wing, but he looks to be one of those players that, took advantage of going down to Syracuse and, and saying this is an opportunity where I can develop. Um, he vowed to be back up with the Lightning. He is now. So just kind of your overall thoughts on his development so far and what is he going to bring to that fourth line center slot? Yeah, so the Lightning, everyone kind of talks about their big guns, right? All of their, you know, veteran players, the skill guys, you know, you know the, the, the Kucherovs, the Stamkos, the Braden Points, all those guys. But you know, that next level of guys who are going to be like the next young core, it's really important for those guys to kind of, you know, find themselves. And I think that, you know, Matthew Joseph is trying to get into that, that group, you know, he's 23 years old. He had a really good, you know, opening season, like you mentioned last year, spent some time shuffling between the minors um, and the NHL. He played in, he went to the, with the, with the team to the bubble, but didn't get to play in a game. So uh, he kind of looked at that as a little bit of motivation. You know, he was good enough to be there, but he wasn't good enough to get on the ice. So uh, I said, I think he's, he's used that as motivation. Um, he's coming to camp with uh, just a different guy. He's a guy who has been known for his speed, but, you know, he knows that he's going to have to use that, especially on the fourth line with, with the four check and, and, and use that speed to kind of um, kind of create a little bit different dimension to that fourth line, you know, maybe open up some space for, for some other guys around him. Uh, and so that, that's what we're kind of looking for in terms of, of how he fits into that, that center spot. Uh, if he can kind of draw that that kind of attention with his speed and um, you know kind of may, maybe open that 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 line up a lot because it, it is one to kind of we, we don't know its identity it's been one we, you know has uh, you know Pat Maroon on it and you used to have Cedric Paquette and like you know these guys who made their living on on kind of the blue collar game and he adds uh, Matthew Joseph definitely adds a different dimension there so but he is one of these guys that the Lightning are are really kind of you know looking to see how he can be part of that next of that next group that young core you know the guys like Anthony Sorelli and Mikhail Sergachev um, and Eric Chernak like these 23 year old guys who are going to be really kind of that next that next up and coming group that's going to keep them uh, you know competing and, 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 and in the conversation of uh, of competing for a Stanley Cup you know um, there's no doubt it's still you know the Stamkoses the Headmans you know, the Kucherovs you know those guys are, are still this the 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 identity of this team, Vasilevsky, obviously, but uh, it's important to see these kind of young guys kind of making their way and, and kind of establishing themselves uh, for the future. And again, Eduardo Encina joining us from the Tampa Bay Times, looking ahead to the Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the National Predators. And you mentioned the big guns, but looking at 
the roster, there's only in four games, there's only four players, four skaters that have not put up a point. What does that say just about the depth of this team, though, too? I mean, obviously, Stanley Cup champions require depth, and they're still showing their depth here that you're having guys chip in no matter what. Yeah, it could be an assist here, an assist there, but four games and only four skaters without a point, that's pretty impressive, right, in, in, in terms of starting the season like that. Yeah, it's an interesting number. I, I actually didn't even know that. But, um, you know, I think, you know, there there was a inherent uh, dedication to that fact, you know, that if they were going to get back to the cup, that they were going to have to do it at least through the regular season without Nikita Kucherov, right? So um, you, you've got to figure out a way to pick up that slack. And I think he had 85 points last year. So how do you make that up? You know, you're going to have to get a little bit extra from everyone else in the group. And I think, uh, you know, going into training camp and going into the season, they know that uh, they're going to have to figure figure out a way to replace him. And I think the mentality here has been all along, like it's a short season, 56 games. We don't, we can't really predict how the, how the schedule is going to go, whether we're going to be able to get into that rhythm that we talked about, when the, how long that's going to take. As, lo- as long as we get to the playoffs and we get, you know, Kucherov back and, and we can make a run just like we did before. So um, and I think that that involves everyone kind of, um, you know, getting involved. So I, I think that's kind of a big part of it. Like you said, they, they've gotten help from across their lines. Uh, you know, the, the D line play has been really, really good. And, you know, it kind of all starts with the fact that you can depend on a goaltender like Andre Vasilevsky to, uh, to kind of bail you out sometimes when, when you're lagging. So uh, I think, you know, they're, they're a team that, you know, obviously has been there, like I said, and it's, they're a team that, uh, you know, if, if they can get through, you know, one big injury and, and avoid some of these other bigger injuries that, that, uh, that they can really kind of, you know, they can get through and, and get back. And you mentioned Andre Vasilevsky, and obviously we all know they're going to ride him pretty hard this season, but it being a unique season with every team having so many different back-to-backs, yeah. what's the balance going to be like in the goaltending situation here in terms of how many games do you expect the backups to get, especially knowing that they have to ride Vasilevsky for, for good reason, because he can steal games like that. But what do you think the balance is going to be like this season in terms of the, in the net? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question because it's one that you, we really haven't had a chance to see yet, obviously because there haven't been many games, but also because their backup goaltender, Curtis McElhenney, has been on the COVID list for about you know, the past 10 days. So if they had to bring up uh, Christopher Gibson from the taxi squad to be the, the, the other uh, goaltender to dress. So as of right now, there's really no, no off days for Vassi in terms of, of gameplay. But um, yeah, I mean, it, he, like, he did not, he played every minute uh, in the bubble. So um, you know, and they, they rode him pretty, pretty hard throughout the season. So um, it'll be interesting to see it and, and how much, you know, they can, they can find him a day here and there uh, to get a break. But I still think that it's, it's probably going to be, it'll be a little bit, uh, a little bit different just because of the format of the schedule. Um, but I, I think they're still going to ride him pretty, pretty, uh, pretty hard just because, uh, you know, there's, like you said, there's a, uh, he's 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 the engine that makes this team go in a lot of ways um you know you can see it you know even on days when he's not necessarily challenged very much and and there's been a few games like that is that uh you know he he can change the game with just you know one or two saves that just kind of sparks this team uh maybe when when they've been through a little bit of a lull so uh he's he's uh him him on the ice is a valuable thing so i think that you know those those uh those times days off are going to be a little bit few, few and far between, but um, uh, we'll we'll see. Like I said, it's 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 kind of a, it's it's a question that 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 I don't know whether we know the answer to quite yet, but uh, one definitely one to, to follow. 
And before I have to let you go, I'm sure you can appreciate this as, as much as we do, but being in the central division, teams are only in the Eastern and the central time zone. None of those late starts, your 10, 10, 30 starts for you being Eastern time, if they're on California and the West coast, what is that like for you? Is, is it nice to be able to know that, Hey, I, we know these games are going to end by a certain time every time they play. Yeah. So, you know, in the newspaper industry, you're always kind of hamstrung by, you know, your East coast deadlines. Right. So, you know, we, you know, 10 o'clock games are, are not fun <laughs> because you know, you're either writing a, a, a story early or you're writing double because you're right. You're still writing a game recap. So those are, those are fun. I mean, like we kind of, as, as newspapers kind of morph into the digital age a little bit, uh, you're just kind of always writing anyway, but um, like no matter what, what time it is, but it's, um, it, it's definitely interesting. I actually hadn't even really thought of that to be honest, but um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's definitely something that's, that's fun. I mean, obviously, you know, we, us as a newspaper, we're not necessarily traveling everywhere, obviously because of, because of the virus it kind of pick your spots in terms of where, where we go and stuff like that. So um, that, that's kind of a different thing too, is watching games from uh, watching games from your couch. Um, and I've talked to the broadcasters, a lot of the broadcasters are doing the games from, you know, watching from screens at the arena. So there's a certain aspect of it to you. I mean, honestly, the, we don't necessarily get to see, especially in hockey. And something I've learned is that, you know, just seeing line changes and seeing how, how the ice develops. It's it, when we sit up in press boxes, we're up at the top and it's great to see, everything kind of develop on the ice and, you know, a camera can't really, you know, can't really give you that. So um, there's a little bit that you miss, but uh, I mean, sometimes it's nice to be able to go get some like chips and salsa or something like that from your closet, <laughs> from your pantry or something. But uh, it is, it's, it's nice to be at the arena still, you know? Yeah. No, no line for the bathroom either, which is, which is <laughs> right. always nice. Huge plus. <laughs> Huge plus. Well, Eduardo, we really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us and getting us ready to take on the Tampa Bay Lightning. Anytime. Thank you for having me. All right. Coming up next here on Penalty to Box Radio, Lyndon Palmer of the Mountain Juliet Greenhill Lebanon hockey team. They're taking on Brentwood. It is a big matchup there. The winner of that game is going to go on to play in the state championship against Montgomery Bell Academy in a week and a half. Coming up quick. So Lyndon Palmer, Mountain Juliet, Greenhill Lebanon hockey team coming up next here on Penalty to Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell. And now let's, let's shift our focus to high school hockey. It is the midst of the playoffs. We are down to three teams remaining to battle for the state championship, the Preds Cup. And one of those teams is from Wilson County, the Mount Juliet, Greenhill, Lebanon team. And big dude on this team, putting up the points and the goals. Lennon Palmer joining us. Lennon, thanks for joining us, man. Thank you for having me. So it's been quite the season for Mount Juliet Greenhill Lebanon. And what just what's it been like for you? I mean, you you put up some crazy numbers this season as well from the blue line. I mean, Lyndon's a defender, people, and he's putting up some crazy Roman Yossi like numbers. So what's this been like for you? I mean, it's it's definitely been different with this pandemic, but uh, you know, we built such a good team, and I mean, we all work really well together, and uh, so I can't just put it all on myself we we practice three times a week and the dedication all of our boys have is insane and so it's all it's all them so looking back at this past year 
um, it was obviously different for so many of us, but when you're thinking from a social aspect, sports aspect, schooling aspect, what was your way of staying focused personally? And also what was the team's approach to making sure that you guys stay connected and stayed focused on the game despite all the protocols that were put in place? Well, we just wanted a ring. Uh, last year we underperformed big time in the playoffs, went out early. So uh, this year we decided, you know, we're going to really dial it in and stay focused all through the season to get that ring. And so now Mount Juliet, and to give people some backstory here, the way that the tournament works is double elimination. And so folks don't, don't know that it's like, just because you lose once doesn't mean that you're completely out of it. And it was a hard fought game against NBA the other night. I mean, you guys were right with them the, the entire time. You fell on that game. Now you have a chance to get back into it. That's the good thing about this tournament is that if you have one night where maybe you get beat, you have every opportunity to battle right back into it. And that's got to be a little bit of relief to know that you have a chance to get right back into it and you go against Brentwood. Brentwood obviously has a lot of experience. Uh, they're the three-time in a row state champion. So knowing they have that experience, but you guys have a lot of tenacity. You're, you're pesky. I know that's a word that's overused, but you're pesky. You have great tools. You have great depth as well. What are you looking forward to in the game against Brentwood that's coming up? Uh, really the physicality. Uh, we're 2-0 and against them this year, so they're going to be gunning for us. Uh, they want that four-peat. I have a, I have a couple of friends that have been there since their freshman year, so they want all four rings. But uh, we're going to do our best to not let that happen. Oh, man. I can't, yeah, yeah. I'm sure that's on everybody's mind, too. So your, <laughs> yeah. your style of play, you are a defensive that obviously loves activating from the blue line. I mean, folks, Linden put up 40 goals in 14 games in the regular season this year. I was just behind two other players that had 41 each. So as a defenseman to be one of the top goal scorers in the league, pretty impressive. And in terms of assists, you had 19 of those 14 games that put you in the top five uh, for the league as well. What's your style of play? Have you modeled it after anybody like that too? I mean, is Roman Yossi a defender you kind of look up to? I mean, kind of. I, I started out playing forward and then about peewee, I moved back to defense. And so – the offensive play style has always really been with me, but uh, I really broke through about three or four years ago. And uh, ever since, I've just, I just kept it going. And, and this team, too, it's one, it's really cool because Wilson County, not everybody thinks of hockey. They, they just don't. I mean, Wilson County is obviously a big football county. But having a hockey team that is pretty much representative of the entire county, when you have Mount Juliet, Green Hill, and Lebanon as a co-op team, putting those three schools together to make it up, how much does it mean to you to be representative of hockey in your county, in Wilson County? Oh, it's big. I mean, we don't get that much uh, spotlight, I guess you could say. But uh, I, we talk about it at school all the time. And a bunch of my friends, they don't, they don't think much about it because, you know, it's MJ and we're big rivals with them so uh they don't they don't really cheer for us but they support us <laughs> so what is that like too because since you are rivals in every, every other sport and cross county rivals like that what is it like having teammates that go to different high schools it's fun uh last or every year when we play in football uh we have off-ice workouts and so we we just trash talk all week and then once that's over we're all we're all best friends again but uh yeah it's fun so speaking of friends it's one of those things and talking with your dad uh, 
So Lennon's dad, Brady, does play-by-play for us for a lot of the games too. And there's so much that you guys have grown up together in this area playing hockey because you also play for the Nashville Junior Flyers, right? Yes, sir. And so you know so many players on these other teams. You know kids that play in the Junior Preds, you know other Flyers, you know all these other high school kids. Just what's it like kind of growing up where you guys have this tight-knit community because we see it so often now too to where – during the games, you guys are at each other's throats, banging bodies and everything. But as soon as the whistle blows and the game's over, you guys are buddies again. Just what's that like in terms of the hockey aspect, in terms of brotherhood of the sport? Yeah, it's great. Uh, I've, our junior Preds team, or not our junior Preds team, but the junior Preds team, uh, we've played them three times this year, and it, it's been really fun. You know, NBA's top line is on that team too. So you really see them a lot throughout the year. But uh, just being being done with the game and having having the conversations with your friends and the players, it's fun to catch up and see how their season's going and how their family's doing and all that. So, and then pictures at the end. <laughs> always pictures. Always, always got to have those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> got to do it for the Insta. So, head coach uh, Bradford Winfrey, what's his coaching style been like for you guys? And obviously, plenty of talent on this team. But how has he helped keep you guys motivated and focused? And and what has he done for for your team this year? He's more laid back. Uh, he kind of lets us do our thing. But if we do something wrong, he's he's there to he's there to tell us. Um, definitely, definitely a lot calmer than Coach Gardner last year. You may know him, but uh, the team can back me up on that. But yeah, very laid back coaching style. And and we're we're seeing so much term uh, in terms of this team as well. What's been one of the the best things? Off, let's let's take away the on ice side of it. What do you enjoy most about being part of your of your hockey team? Growing the bonds through through everyone. Going to three different schools. Uh, you don't see them every day, but uh, you know, starting from the start of the year. And to now, the bond has grown tremendously. Uh, our group chats have, I mean, I, I don't really know how to put it, but we've just grown as a family and we're really all in this together. So it sounds very uh, miracle movie ish. <laughs> I love it. We're a family. I, I like it. I like it a lot. It, it, it is kind of, yeah. <laughs> At each other's throats uh, and other rivals and other sports. But when you got to come together, you come together. That's, that's right. That's a good way. Glenn, I, I know Glenn has some lightning round questions to help our listeners get to know you a little bit better, too. Okay. All right. You ready? We're going to start with favorite sports team growing up. Uh, the Predators, for sure. All right. Favorite sports movie. Ooh. Probably Miracle or Mighty Ducks. I love it. Um, the first sporting event that you remember going to as a child? Mm. I think it was a Predators game. I think that was the first ever sporting event I went to. And your best sports memory. Now, this can be something, maybe a game that you went to as a child, or this could also be your own personal sports memory playing. Uh, we played in a tournament in Toronto. And, well, it was a silver stick, so we had to play in two tournaments before that to get there. And uh, we ended up winning the tournament in Toronto. And our name or team name is now on a plaque in the Hockey Hall of Fame. So that's probably the coolest coolest thing ever. Um, Yeah, that is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm sure it's a a nice point of pride, too, to say that a, a team from the South 
with plenty of hockey yes, players sir. from the south went up to, to canada and whooped some butt <laughs> i love it so um, go ahead gun i was just gonna ask a couple more favorite hobby outside of hockey mm, i don't really know i would say tennis i played tennis but okay and lastly an arena that you would love to play in one day <laughs> that's tough <laughs> um madison square garden Ooh, that's a good nice. one yeah that's a good, that is one. A good one all right and, and I, I know we've talked about this before it's been a while but the season's coming to a close here in the next couple of weeks and hopefully with the championship for you guys but but after this graduation what are your future plans in hockey I have no clue. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> so the look, the look at his face, folks, when I asked that question. <laughs> I have no don't. clue. <laughs> I I just sent my transcripts to colleges. I've not applied anywhere, okay. so I'm not. I haven't thought too much about it. But uh, the thought is playing club hockey. So. All right. Well, hey, whatever venture you decide to go in, obviously you have our full support. Just excited to see what you're able to do, and looking forward to that game on Monday, February first. 7 p.m. Brentwood, Mount Juliet, Green Hill, Lebanon. It'll be streamed on Penalty Box Radio on the Facebook so folks can come out and watch. I mean, you can watch Lyndon and everything he does from the blue line all the way up to the red line because he's going to pot some goals and get some assists and all of his <laughs> super sexy moves on the ice like that. Make sure you tune in. So, Lyndon, thanks so much for joining us. We appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, always great talking to Lyndon there. Best of luck to the Mount Juliet hockey team. You know, we're definitely cheering for them and, and for all the teams. We want to be fair, we just want to see good, awesome hockey games. All right, up next, we're going to answer your questions we got on Twitter. Got a few good ones, maybe about playing the stock market. I'm not sure. That's up next from Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Big shout out to Captain Kurt taking care of us tonight. We appreciate you, Kurt. Always good to have you. We have so many good producers here. We lot, really do. They take care, really good care of us. And we have like a lot of them. You a know? lot of them. And they're like great. Everybody's good. Everybody's good. They're fantastic. And they're always a joy. They're always a joy. Okay. We, we have some fun questions that came to us today on Twitter. Remember, always tweeting out the day of the show for your questions on Twitter at Justin B. Bradford at Penalty Box Radio. Give it a follow. You can submit your questions. This one comes from Danielle. How much do you guys miss my shrimp Alfredo and Poppy references? We miss you a lot, Danielle. We <laughs> have no idea how much. We wish we could have you back in studio. We wish you were back in Nashville, but she is over in Knoxville studying at University of Tennessee because she is going to have a career far greater than the two of us when she's done. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll go out and celebrate with shrimp Alfredo. Shrimp and Alfredo. Whatever pasta place you want. Shrimp Alfredo, just like Robin Yossi. <laughs> <laughs> clearly... You know, the similarities. <laughs> totally. Uh, this one comes from Jack. Is it better to accept lower expectations and be more satisfied overall or cling to former high <laughs> expectations and live in constant despair? This reminds me of Adam Vingan of Athletic, his tweet about, folks, you should just lower your expectations and you're happier. <laughs> um, that's the way to live life. I learned that I learned that a little too late in my life, oh. but I realized when when you come to expect nothing, anything is great. <laughs> but if you expect everything then even something very, very close to the everything that you were imagining isn't good enough. So oh just keep gosh. your expectations low, Jack. Actually, don't have any at all. Don't have any at all. Have no <laughs> expectations. Just float through life with no expectations. 
This has been PBR Advice Corner with Glenn. Life lessons for the rest of your hopefully godforsaken life. <laughs> oh, boy, when it comes to hockey and expectations, what I would say, Jack, is it is a curious study in just in terms of fandom. Mm-hmm. I obviously, I turn off my fandom and bias as much as I possibly can. And it is weird. It is, it's, it's weird to think of things in fan terms because I've desensitized myself to a lot of those things. And when it comes to like the Titans, yeah, I turn the fan on. I don't cover the Titans, so I don't mm-hmm. have to. Uh, so it is unique to look at this in fan perspective is that when teams start to achieve a little bit more, the fan expectation is, oh, oh, well, they did this. That means next year they should be able to do this, right? And it's totally understandable for a fan to think that because you want to build and the whole point of building is to build to eventually win. You play to win the game. <laughs> that's that's the whole point of it. And so when the Predators, as an eight seed, went into the Stanley Cup final and lost in six games, the expectation was, well, they showed they can do it. They showed they can make the Stanley Cup final. Next year, we expect them to at least be in a conference final or to do this or do that. And they followed it up with the President's Trophy win. That's pretty good yeah, and impressive. Think, yeah, but I think where some people went wrong is when they made that run, they said, well, clearly they showed they can get to game six. They have to win the Stanley Cup next year. That right. is where you have your expectations set too high, and you don't need to do that. Because it only it's is going to disappoint you. Because anything <laughs> less than the Stanley Cup is a, dis- is, is a disappointment to you. But in fact, in the name of the game, it wasn't a disappointment year, right. not in my opinion. Right. No, especially as an eight seed. It's not like they win as the one seed. Now, in terms mm-hmm. of expectations, they win as the number one overall seed of the President's Trophy. Expectations should have been higher then because they mm-hmm. showed they could be the best team in the league right there. When yeah. they're an eighth seed, it's because you got hot and everything clicked at the right time. And that's not a bad thing at all. That's what you want in the playoffs is to get hot at the right time as a sports team. But when you win the President's Trophy, it shows that you were hot the entire time. And mm-hmm. now can you ride that in through the playoffs? Then expectations continued to grow. They, they kept the same team. And then all of a sudden you had the, the loss to the Jets and then the loss to the Stars and then the loss in the play-in round. And it's the, the trajectory has not been good. Expectation-wise, I think it's difficult to put expectations on things, especially because all the time when you're doing expectations, it's typically on paper because it's following up what a team did. And then you go in, what do I expect for the next season? which is absolutely, again, fair. This is nothing against being a fan of a team because you want to have expectations to set expectations. I don't think many Red Wings fans are truly thinking they're going to make the playoffs. Expectations are, hey, in four years, I expect us to make the playoffs. That is a totally fine assumption there that Steve Eisman will eventually put a competitive team together that you could compete for a wildcard spot in four years. Okay, that's fair. So it's it's really curious and looking at expectations. And I know it's kind of a workaround answer, but even Glenn, you said it too. Expectations are very unique in how we look at them and what is considered a success, what is considered not a success. Obviously, every team wants to win the championship every year, but we all know it's just not possible to happen like that. Yeah. And that's why if you keep it realistic and yeah, you can watch what your team did last year and say, I'm hopeful that maybe this could be their year to win the Stanley Cup the Super Bowl or however you want to look at it. But the reality is, is that only one team is going to win that. And if you keep your, I mean, keep your expectations at about, you know, as long as you're a 500 team, I, I'm, I'm good with that, right? That's easy. You're <laughs> right in the middle. Just keep it right in the middle, Jack. 
Don't get too excited. Don't be don't be too hopeful. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> Golly, Glenn, man, going dark. Okay, uh, Pucks I'm out go asks this. Uh, who do you trust more? Stock market trading advice from Reddit or the Preds power play? Wow. Oh. Wow. So the Predators power play. Uh, <clears throat> Predators power play is currently 28 out of 31. They are at 7.1%. Just below them, the Minnesota Wild, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Anaheim Ducks. The Anaheim Ducks are 0%. For and the, the market trading advice on Reddit is... <laughs> is doing enough to where a lot of them rich folk don't like other people dealing with money. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when you look at the penalty kill, the National Predators are 31st out of 31 at 61.5%, which is four points below the New Jersey Devils. It's been it's been rough, but in terms of trusting, I I right now I trust Reddit more. Yeah, well, I mean, because the proof is in the pudding. The proof is there that, that it. it worked. The the redditors did something that threw off the entire stock market. It threw off the hedge funds. It threw them off so much that they weren't prepared for. You got a bunch of nerds on Reddit. I'm I'm a Reddit nerd, so I can say that. Mm-hmm. A bunch of nerds on Reddit that outsmarted the rich folk. Yeah, and have caused so much calamity that is beginning covered a little bit. But I think because the stock market is something that is such a unique topic. I don't know much about it. And there's so many words and phrases and things and dealings that happen in the stock market that people don't have any idea about that. I don't see it getting talked about it a lot. Like it's sports. Sports are easier to understand because we know stock market Mm -hmm. and trading and things that go on there. You see people joking. I joke about it. People joke and everything, but we don't know the inner workings of it. So it's a, it's a unique way that it's getting discussed in social media too. Yeah. And right now, especially with Robin Hood, I mean, I'm seeing that everywhere, <laughs> but yeah. I am a market watch person. And so I'm constantly getting notifications about the market and such. But even then it's like, I'll study it to a certain degree, but there's so much behind the scenes. But what we do know is that that thread of Reddit users went in and they, they did something massive that I don't think anybody's ever done before. Nope. And so I 100% trust them right now. Doesn't mean that I don't have hopes that maybe that answer would change and that I would have a little bit more trust in the Preds power play. But as of tonight, you're asking me who I trust more. <laughs> Proof's in the pudding. All right. This one just came in. This was from Anaj. Do you feel like Fabro has developed into the second pairing D-man they want him to be? Not yet. That's my honest answer, I still think he has a ways to go. It's good that he's been with Matias Ekholm, but Dante Fabro, I think his cap is a second pairing defenseman, like the question does ask. I still think there's plenty of developments going to happen. He's only in a second year. Yeah. It's a shortened year. Last year wasn't a full year. So talk about development for some, for some of these players where how they could flourish in an 82-game season, but you have the first one cut short. This upcoming one is short and not a typical – season that you're used to seeing too i still think there's a lot in terms of reading plays and doing some certain adjustments that that he has to work on and he knows that the coach staff knows that i'm not saying anything new here that mm-hmm. in terms of really judging where he's at i think we need two more years to really get a good case on on what where is he going to max out obviously he's an nhl defenseman he is t- totally an nhl defenseman in terms of a second pairing defenseman right now he is for the Preds. I think he would be on plenty of other teams, but I don't mm-hmm. think he's at his his max yet that he can still be better in terms of what, how he's reading offensive play, the outlet passes, things like that. But I think he's developing just fine for a defenseman. And, I mean, I just wish fans would have had more patience with, with Seth Jones in Nashville uh, because look at him now. 
I know. I mean, like you said, you need a you need a few years. Um, and I mean, all you can ask right now is for somebody to be going out there and doing the right things. And for the majority of the time, that's what we're seeing out of him. So all I think when I when I see his name and I see a question like that is that there's so much time for development for him. And there's there's room for it for all players. Um, but he is in an organization that is that prioritizes that. He's going to, I think, develop into a quality um, second pairing defenseman. I think he already is to a certain degree, but I mean, I, I think right now he's doing everything we can expect of him with the experience that he's had. So I think only good things for him going forward. All right, two more questions and we got to wrap it up. This one comes from Kent. Uh, when solving a problem, a key is identifying a common denominator and reviewing multiple years of power play approach yielding unsatisfactory production. Is there an identifiable common denominator? There's been new coaching players, lots of talk and focus, but still a brick wall. Yeah, it's they've been running a one three one on the power play and we're just not seeing creativity. And yeah, you need to have a change in coaching staff. You have a change in some players. It is a very curious case study. And I'm, I'm not an expert on that. I think it comes down to more accountability on players and coaching staff wanting to change it up. If they have to change their approach, they need to change their approach in the power play and completely change it up and saying, look, we're going to blow this up and completely do something different. And we're going to come up with something that is going to be effective for us because there's been times we're getting decent looks on the power play, but their creativity is not there in terms of trying to do some unique things to get the puck to players that are going to have a wide open shot. Like you see plenty of other teams have where you're doing crisscross passes East West to make the goaltender move. We're just not seeing that. We're seeing too many point shots right now. So I got to blow it up, try something different. Yeah. New coaching staff. Let's get creative here. Get creative. Yeah. And I mean, you covered it, but when I think, when I think when we've been talking about structure, I think that can sound very limiting when it comes to players being creative on the ice. But I actually think the way I see it is it's the opposite. I think that structure that they have allows the player to go out and be creative and play their creative game. Um, so maybe this would be, maybe this would be all that they've been missing is that true identity and that true structure allowing those players to go out and play their game. So Speaking, that's actually funny. I just got a buzz on my phone. It was about Robin Hood. Um, it must have, it must have been listening that we were talking about it. Oh boy. But yeah. All right. So Rob, last question, Rob asked, who's your MVP so far this season? Disappointed the most. And is Rocco getting squeezed out due to his size? I don't think Rocco's getting squeezed out. I think you're just going to see a rotation depending on opponent. Rocco's going to get his games in. Other guys are going to get their games in. I think it's going to be just fine there. I can't say anything has disappointed me the most because it's too early to say a player has disappointed me. MVP mm -hmm. so far this season. I would be looking at Mikhail Glenland as impressed me so far in terms of how he's been able to step right in and he's immediately contributed to this team. It's very, very early, but he has looked really good jumping right in, especially with limited practice. Glenn? Yeah, I don't have any disappointments and I don't have an MVP yet. Like I usually say 10 to 15 games gives me oh, some yeah. sort of an idea um, because at that point you can see if there is consistency or inconsistency. So I'm going to hold off on answering this because I don't have, nobody has come out and disappointed me yet because there's not enough, there's not enough right. game. Um, there's not enough play time. So I'm going to hold off and answer this after we're about 15 games deep. How about that? That's very fair. That's very fair. Folks, thanks so much for tuning in. We appreciate it. Make sure you go and watch that high school hockey game, Mount Juliet, Green Hill, Lebanon versus Brentwood. That's coming up next week deciding who's going to play Montgomery Bell Academy in the state championship. We'll stream that on our Facebook page. More information, post-game videos, everything you need at penaltyboxradio.com and on all of our social media accounts. 
All right. For Glenn Blackwell, I'm Justin Bradford. Big thanks to Captain Kurt for taking care of us. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.